0: You're listening to Look At My Records. This is episode 190, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of Look At My Records, I chatted with Ben Hoffman and Caroline Davis of Brooklyn Neo Soul Outfit My Tree, the duo who just recently Rebranded from My Tree, released their second full-length album *Where the Grace Is* in late July. The expansive and densely textured record explores the more experimental side of R&B, soul, jazz, and funk, while simultaneously tackling a variety of social issues, including the Pulse nightclub tragedy and the murder of Ahmed Arbery. It also features some dynamite collaborations from artists like. Rico Cisnett. During our interview, we chatted about how Prince influenced them to change the spelling of their name, what inspired their decision to scale down from a quartet to a duo, the sonic contrast between their first album, Afterglow, and Where the Grace Is, and much more. Plus, Ben and Caroline picked some records from Jimi Hendrix, Paul, Prince, and a few other great ones as well. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right. Hey, what's up, Hello. everybody? Hey. Yeah, I'm here with Ben and Caroline from My Tree. They just dropped an awesome new album called Where the Grace Is. It's out now. It's awesome. Congrats on the release, Thank Ben you. and Caroline. How are you doing?
1: Thank you so much. We're good. We're uh, actually currently in a friend's house uh, in the city of Tivoli, which is this tiny town on the Hudson River.
0: So, Whoa. Where, how far north? <laughs> I've never heard of Tivoli. That's a great name for. Sounds like a joke. It doesn't sound like a real sound
1: name. Well, it's Tivoli with a a V. It's it's (laughs) actually funny enough, it reminds me. Well, in in Sweden, where my family lives and where I sort of partially grew up, um, they call amusement parks Tivoli. Nice. And so for me, when I hear that word, I'm I kind of immediately go back to my childhood and I'm like thinking about all of the roller coasters and swings propelling in through the air that I've had cool. fun with in my
2: life. So. But yeah, it's kind of just across the river from Socrates, like just north of Kingston on the east side of the Hudson.
0: Oh, nice. It's probably beautiful there this time of year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I'm finishing up a recording and commission project that's sort of due in a couple of weeks or a week now. So,
0: yeah. Cool. So, a good time to get away from the city, work on some projects. Very, very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah,
2: Caroline just released a record of her own as well. There's a lot of a lot of things happening, releases. Um mostly for Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Including this joint project. But but. no,
1: we're super excited about our album. Um, We've been riding the high of releasing and sharing the music with people and just getting all of the feedback from friends and people who are listening. So it's a really good, positive time.
0: Yeah, and it's such a crazy time to be an artist, musician. Crazy time to release a a new album. I know we kind of thought the pandemic was behind us, but now things are a little unclear again. But I was reading Mm -hmm. that... The two of you spent time in Wisconsin last year, uh, where Ben's from. Uh, wh- what was that like? What was this period like for the two of you, uh, creatively? Was the record finished before the pandemic, or were you kind of working on finishing it up or even starting it uh, during the events of? So 2020?
2: the record, at the start of the pandemic, the record we were actually about to go into the studio. March 2020, to do the live tracking for the, the record, like mostly the live drums. Uh, March 19th and 20th, I think we had booked. And we canceled that, of course, and got rescheduled to uh, August of last year. So about a, a year before the record was released. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of pre-production done on the record before that studio time. Um, and with the delay, I think, more things were kind of added into the fold before beforehand. Uh, And then we recorded and then finished it after mostly like the vocals and just finishing overdub touches and stuff. Um, But most of the pandemic we were in Brooklyn, we got out to Wisconsin for about a week uh, to visit my family and also play a show there together in Madison. Uh, Kind of the the only in-person show I think we did last year.
1: Yeah, we played one streaming show and did a lot of requests. Filmed request. But yeah, it's been kind of a rough year for, for our project My Tree in terms of writing and producing and uh putting out or just really coming up with content and stuff. It hasn't been rough. I mean it's a lot of time for that. So
0: Yeah. And tell me about the band. It's been a project for like over a decade now. I know you were a quartet, now you're playing as a duo, but you still manage to work with different collaborators. You manage to bring them into the fold as well. What are the dynamics of the band like these days? How do you think that's changed uh, the music that you're making?
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so I started this band in Chicago with some friends of mine there. Including some musicians who were interested in playing crossover music, so Rob Clearfield on the keys and Matt Eulery on the bass and Charles Rumbach on drums, and I had met the MC Neek and worked with him on a couple of projects prior to that, so he also, you know, worked with me on two tracks on that record. Um, yeah. and and then I moved to Chicago, and Ben also, sorry, I moved to New York, and then Ben also moved to New York, and we sort of connected there and we decided to start writing music together and collaborating with this project um so it's been really nice to to kind of come together because we have different backgrounds in music um and so more, more me more of sort of the jazz improvisation side of things and Ben sort of more of like soul music and R&B and rock. And so we're trying to bring all these elements together and, um, dynamically writing the music together for me is really cool. Cause I get to sort of expand my horizons a bit and I hope that would be the same for you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, we bring in David Frazier on drums. He's been sort of more of a regular member of this project for a year, at least since through the pandemic and for the recording, um, and we just started playing with Jed Lingott, who's a really incredible bass player. And our friend from Chicago, Rico Sisney, who lives in the Bay now, he's um, an MC on one of the tracks. Yeah, great um, track. Yeah. And then my friend, Charles Gorzinski, who is living in Minnesota now, he produced the track or he did some additional production on the track of slogans so yeah we have a lot of friends and people we've worked with in the past working with us but the sort of foundation of the band is us
2: yeah and we were playing with kind of a regular quartet for a while yeah uh, with our last release the, the two guys who played on that record afterglow um, but we also after that record and touring and stuff we started playing more and more shows just duo with um, kind of sequenced drum beats and stuff and so I think that really informed the definitely the new record because um, a lot of the songs could you know yeah, kind of totally. the foundation was built without any live drums it's all kind of programmed drums and then adding that live band that live element with the drums in on top of that with uh David coming in and we love uh the voice that he brings to the music
0: that's totally something that I noticed was a big difference between afterglow and where the grace is the Uh, More of the emphasis on, I guess, uh, drum machines, drum programming and things like that, Uh, less of an emphasis on live drums. Why would you make that shift? What was inspiring you to kind of go in that direction? Was there any specific reason or what what went? But what was uh, the thought process behind that?
2: Yeah. um, Well, I think part of it was playing these these shows as a duo. Um, from the last record playing those songs, um, kind of reformatting them, rearranging them into this new format that sometimes we were kind of forced to do going on tour, what didn't always make sense to bring the full band. And I think sometimes we kind of started liking, um, where the music was going, um, Oh, equally as much, you know, or if not more. For a second.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been nice to play the duo shows with the with the tracks and have them triggered that way, but it's also cool to, like, include live drums, you know, and just move the project forward in that way. So just kind of including different layers, textures, uh, into the mix, into the folds, to make our music expand in a certain way texturally.
3: So. Yeah.
2: The other thing I was going to add is, sometimes with the full band, the live, all instrumentation, um, it just sometimes you had to have a certain dynamic level of like kind of rock band volume, certain clubs are kind of set up for that way. And I think, um, with the more electronic kind of controlled sound, uh, we're able to kind of harness that a little bit and sing more sensitive songs without having to compete with like symbol, too many cymbal washes and stuff, liking that sonic quality, that kind of warmer quality, um, of the electronic stuff.
0: It definitely has a warm feel to it the record no doubt about it but i wanted to go back to something you mentioned a little earlier ben the fact that you did use a lot of things like drum machines uh for the percussion on this record required a lot of i guess preparation before going into the studio and programming have you ever had to do that for a record before and what was that adjustment like
2: yeah um This was kind of definitely the first project where I've really done that. But it wasn't even necessarily, oh, we have the studio booked and this is the amount we need to get done beforehand. I think we just kind of started the tracks long before we ever booked the studio time and then, you know, grew them to a certain point of now we feel like this is what the track needs as far as like a live element or what the live drums can do Um, and kind of go in. And then I retrack the bass along with, the drums as well for everything um, yeah so it was it was definitely a process where we were kind of just taking our time and building the tracks up as you know we heard them and a lot of the, the drum beats throughout even throughout Afterglow a lot of the drum beats were you know written before we brought it to the band or the, the grooves we I often have a very clear idea of what I want the the beat to be so having more control over that too
0: is that where you would say your songwriting typically starts? Is that the foundation of your your songs generally when you're writing songs?
2: I think it, com- it can come in a lot of different ways, really. Uh, it's hard to pin that down.
1: I would say Ben has way more of, a sh- more of a drumbeat kind of oriented mind for songwriting. And that's what makes me excited about working with him because my intuition is melody and bass. And so I'm yep. always thinking about how the counterpoint between the bass and the melody. And I learned that from many composers like Bach and people who are far gone in time, um, how those two interconnect, how the parts relate to each other with respect to harmony and melody, so.
0: I saw you self-produced this record too. Were you more involved with, I guess, kind of the production aspects of this record as compared to Afterglow, or was it a similar process? for the two of you in the studio.
1: Yeah, it was a similar process for us for both. Um, I think we had more of a specific idea about how the stuff, each track would be recorded this time since we had the drum tracks to work with this time. And last time it was also we had a couple days this time and the last time we had one day. (laughs) So that was crammed into... A very short amount of time and um this time we had more time and space to sort of work on what we were going for and re-track and we tracked all the vocals at home post studio live session
2: but i would say the process was kind of very different in terms of all the pre-production mainly well, yeah yeah definitely. before it was we kind of got all the live tracks and then added things on top and then also used just more sonic manipulation i think in the mixing process uh with our engineer, Ram Silverglade, who's a friend of ours. Uh, so kind of working with him together and kind of exploring things and just kind of sometimes going too far and then taking it back. Whereas this time, yeah, I think we were more deliberate tracking things the way in, kind of, you know, how they how did we want them to sound, sonically, the effects and stuff.
0: That's really cool. Tell me a little bit about, I guess, what you were able to do with, I guess, manipulating things sonically from behind the board or whatever
2: yeah not so much this record on I would the say. last,
0: record, yeah, I feel last like record there
1: was yeah. more more of that Po- in post production, yeah. this time, and I, you know, I think there was a good amount of post production on this one as well. But we had to, you know, we did a lot of layered tracking for the vocals with background vocals and sort of doubling vocals. And then Ben did so much work in terms of layering synthesizers on this record, pre recording and post recording. Um, so yeah, I would say. And then so for our previous record, Afterglow is more of like what plugin can we add to this (laughs) piece of the band to make the cymbals sound more inviting in this Mm -hmm. situation? And this time we didn't have to do as much of that. And we had a really, I mean, both of those engineers, Rom Silverglade, who we worked with last time, and Jake Aaron, who we worked with this time, are incredible and have worked on so many records. Um, So we didn't have to tell them much. They have good intuition for what the music should sound like.
0: That's always a plus. Good intuition. Mm-hmm. So, the lyrical focus on this record is really honed in on social issues. Definitely different than Afterglow. I would say. What inspired that? It seems like when I was really thinking about it, since the release of your first record, Afterglow, you know, so many things have changed significantly in the world, and it seemed to have really made a big impact on your art
2: yeah well the first record the first song really written for this record besides afterglow the opener track i'd say that's the oldest one um but arlando caroline wrote after the pulse nightclub shooting um and i don't yeah. think we like con- we i don't think we from that time consciously set out to like make a social or political commentary record or anything but um we we had a few more songs and then we kind of started noticing some of those themes of that were kind of kept popping up and maybe in more disguised ways than others you know
1: and for me because i work primarily in the instrumental realm for my other the other side of my musical being um writing songs with lyrics i have you know the idea of commenting on what's going on socially and politically and class-wise and everything is just so important to me it's like number one because just identifying privilege, where does it lie and where other people have to deal with certain elements of life um, that they don't have privilege for. And so for me, it's a priority. Arlando, which I wrote that piece specifically about being involved and being close with the LGBTQ plus community. When I was growing up in Atlanta, my mom was very close with a lot of people in that community as she was working in the theater industry. And two people who were like very near and dear to my heart, um, they, you know, they were a big part of my life and explained to me how to listen to music and how to love and all of these different components of life. And so when I heard about that massacre when it was happening... Um, in 2016, I sat down and wrote all of the elements of that piece. And so to me, it was really speaking to how can I be a part of healing through sound, energy, movement, um, support, uh, lifting people up through platform. So I feel like music and art can be a strong and powerful way to help people, whether that's donating your proceeds to the cause or bringing awareness to a cause via lyrics or art or sound and dance, so.
2: Yeah, and you don't get that opportunity as much writing yeah. just instrumental music, mm-hmm. so kind of have a lot to say there, right?
0: Yeah, it it seems like it's something that's very important to you uh, personally as well. Why do you think it is so important for you to, incorporate this into your art too, because a lot of people get involved with social causes, but it's definitely something that's directly impacted your work and that is definitely flows through your work in a very beautiful, beautiful way.
1: Personally, I feel that in my life, there've been elements that held me back or that kept me from being seen. And I really identify strongly with people who don't feel seen. So that can be people who are marginalized because of where they have to live or people who are ignored because of the color of their skin or people who don't have money or people who are disabled, Um, any kind of element that puts people into a group where they don't feel seen. And so for me, um, being someone who grew up in a poor neighborhood, being someone who grew up with not a lot of educational resources, um, I've feel that very strongly and I want to comment yeah. and share with the world about those experiences.
0: Awesome. Very, very, very powerful. Oh.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, let's see. I'm trying to think of the songs that I wrote on the record with the lyrics. I think it's a little bit more disguised, maybe on tracks like Country Glory.
0: Yeah. Tell me about Country, because I, I, I wanted to ask about Country Glory specifically because it, it you know, focuses on some of those themes, but in in more of a general sense. It's not as specific. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Yeah, I guess I, you know, just like the opening line, I, I have this vision of kind of, you know, a country aspect to it. Some kind of barn or something with a big American flag almost, and the the opening line, I've got a story It is 10 feet tall. Uh, you know, talking about like a tall tale, so to speak. Um, the country glory beats under y'all it's like maybe it's kind of an illusion uh this pride that we have in our country um but that song's really kind of commenting on gender um kind of like the duality gender roles that were really coming t- to the forefront i think with like the kind of Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton that's kind of kind of what i was thinking of a little bit um and just the whole me too movement and just these two sides and um, this the backlash and all of this stuff uh, that was going on. I guess you know at the beginning of forty five presidency.
1: Um. Yeah, and I feel like you kind of get a sense of that more when you start singing in that song. When there's the lyric, "Yeah, girl, you got a lot to give," you know. Yeah, there's that kind of to me comes becomes more of a reality during that section of the song.
2: But yeah, I think it's a little more ambiguous. It's almost like maybe some ton- more tongue in cheek kind of stuff there um, in what it's trying to say. Because uh, you could take that either way. You could take it as, um, you know, kind of empowering and working together in this belief of equality. Um, or you could take it be like sarcastic, you know? And I think it's a little bit of both.
0: Totally. Great track. Really enjoyed that one. Tell me about Run and Rag On, one of my favorite songs on the record, uh, features uh, Rico Sisney. How'd that come together? How'd the collaboration come about? And his, you know, his verses are the focal point lyrically of the song. So how were you able to kind of put everything together there? Because, you know, his commentary fits in perfectly with the record.
2: Run and Rag On. Um that track really kind of came to me really through the, the beat. Uh, we were talking about earlier, the beat kind of informing just that cadence, that chorus. Uh, I wrote that a long time ago. Um, probably back in 2014 or 20, no, 2015, uh, in the middle of, um, a state park in Colorado doing some hiking and it just kind of came to me. Um, and I wrote it down. I remembered it and, uh, was looking to expound on it for a long time. And, uh, we're lucky to have gotten Rico, to, who's a longtime friend from Chicago, uh, to, you know, I have written some stuff, some verse material, and he was like, uh, I don't know, I think we can maybe do a little bit, you know, let me see what I can do. So we, we talked about it a lot and just where we were coming from with the song. And he said he had, you know, he had a lot personally about.
0: So he had like that perspective of what you were feeling with the track as well before he put his. yeah made his input. And
2: yeah. I sent him like something that I wrote just to kind of, you know, to riff on. Um and so he came up with the verses and the whole spoken word outro that was all him. Um and it was really beautiful beautifully done. It's not easy. Can't find a lot of MCs who are gonna be able to to flow in that meter, um which is like a nine plus nine plus nine plus ten. It's pretty it's pretty it's odd. It's pretty odd. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I don't know anything about that, but I love hearing about that stuff. Matthew. So that's a tough track to flow to. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, but yeah, and it, I, I like that one because there's not really like that much going on. At least the first half of the song, it's really just the drums and the vocals, right? And we have these sound effects. It's kind of. It was kind of freeing a little bit to do a song like that. Because usually I'm so caught up in the chords. Like, what's the harmony going to be? Got to do something cool. But I kind of let that go. And it's just kind of focused on the, the core elements. You don't need the bass or the chords. Was that hard
0: for you then to let to let go like that? A little or...
2: bit. I mean, I was able to get do it later in the second half, half, of, the half song, of the song, right? And more with that. With that. The... But it was just a different process to kind of focus more on the sounds and less on the notes and the textures, you know. We had some fun exploring some like synth textures together for that one.
0: You mentioned earlier uh, Afterglow, first track on the record. You originally wrote it as an intro intro part to your song Clouds, which is a track on your first record, Afterglow. Uh, why'd you scrap that from that song originally? And what made you think, oh, this would fit well to start this record off? Just what's the background behind how you kind of Revived that and put it on this record.
1: Yeah, I felt personally like we had a lot of interludes on the previous record and a little, and it was too much. And I wasn't feeling the way the band was playing it personally. So I was like, I think we should save this for another time. And I think we did actually track.
2: We just, it was just only ever Wurlitzer keys and vocals though. There was actually never any kind of right. band. It was just, just kind of an introduction. Um, but I think the Wurlitzer was like out of tune. Yeah, I was we not had...
1: feeling it. So yeah, we we scrapped that mostly because of the way the studio was. Yeah, that Wurlitzer was really out of tune at the bunker. Um, no, no,
2: no hate there. No, no, no hate on the bunker. No, <laughs> <laughs> great studio,
1: but no. Really and and it was cute. it was so much feeling so much better with the people who were playing it and the way we co-produced that song again and the way we changed it for this record. So we were much happier with it.
2: Yeah, I think when we sat down to kind of talk about, okay, what's, you know, our next record, it's like, okay, well, we have this. We could kind of, you know, this... I, I think from a very early stage, we could see it as like the intro track for the record. Um, So we kind of workshopped something, yeah, long ago. I think it was on a Christmas day, maybe, when we started working on a record a few years ago.
1: Yeah, and also we bookended the record with a song that sort of related to our last record and the ne- the last song on our record, Where the Grace Is, is projecting forward into the future for what's to come for us. So it kind of also relates to the vision of where we came from versus where we're going with the present moment sandwiched between those two.
0: Yeah. Have you started working on your next record yet and what do you think it would sound like
1: coming soon i mean we we have some ideas song ideas and probably not for a few more years in terms of like production and getting everything recorded yeah. and raising funds and all those things but yeah but yeah there's a lot of songwriting to to finish there are a lot of seeds that are out there in our minds and written down
2: but we might also kind of just maybe take it as smaller chunks, maybe do focus on single songs, and it is pretty exhausting making a whole record and and we love it, and it is an an album a true album to us, but um you know it's and it's the like you said it's a crazy time kind of to release music the market's so saturated right now it's it's hard to push a whole album through uh for people to sit down and kind of digest that um as far as for how it would sound, I think um. Yeah, I think we're going to maybe try to strip things back a little bit and oh, and wow. go a little, we're feeling maybe more simplistic with the arrangement. I think sonically it's going to have a lot of the same things, but maybe not as dense and um kind of, yeah, kind of a little bit more stripped down, I would say.
0: There is something very cool about, and this is something you mentioned a little earlier in your answer, you know, I know album is a big undertaking, but this record you know taken as a whole you know flows really well it to me it seems like one piece of art the songs are meant to be listened to in the order that you put them in especially with all the different textures on these tracks and the overall messaging that comes through through each song was that something you're conscious of too when you're putting a record together how it's going to flow from cover to cover because I know people are big into releasing singles, shorter collections of songs, but there is something about this record for sure that is really cool in the way it sequenced and and flows.
4: Mhm.
1: Yeah, I think we definitely had some ideas and other songs that didn't make it onto this record. And so I feel like conceptually and as a as a boxed unit of of information, I think it for me it was like all right this everything I can see the flow between all the elements absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. And I don't think it necessarily informed the songwriting uh, in the in the early stages, but once we kind of had the songs and just yeah just navigating through them and finding um, the interludes and finding the Easter eggs or different things that we can connect the tracks with. Um, uh, yeah, we we love the album. we love albums as well. And sitting down and listening to records, we love that you have all these records. We put our album out on vinyl, and you know we're gonna definitely stand by that. Even if we release a single or two, uh, that's definitely where our I think love is in the full, the whole album and the journey of it.
0: Totally. Tell me about the title because it does seem to be representative of the album and also as you mentioned kind of looking into the future as well.
2: Mhm. Yeah, that track was the last track that was written talking about yeah. earlier the first track that was written. Um so it comes from obviously that song lyric in that song. Um, which you know I think Caroline was inspired by a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Jay Horde, a great singer. Um talking about Grace. Mhm. Uh, yeah. It, uh, on some conversation that you had. I think yeah he- I
1: think it was in a moment where we were all kind of frustrated we were on this gig together and everyone was frustrated with the situation that was happening and um he reminded me of the importance of grace and reminded me of the importance of how to be graceful <laughs> and I guess you can take that in any way you want I mean some people, have a dedication to religion and spirituality and grace shows up a lot in like christian texts um but it also shows up a lot with artwork and dance in particular for me and so the idea of treading lightly or the idea of making light of a situation that could be dire trying to find aspects of a situation that you could improve upon by sticking with it um and being true to the nature of any kind of uh you know dis-ease or disgruntled attitude or um situation that you find yourself in trying to find sort of the grace find the the beauty in it find the way that we can move through it together in this like way that will change our society or our lives together if that makes sense. I
2: would say too just you know thinking about the times we're in and COVID and all of the crazy environmental things going on in the world um, people's situations it's it's challenging times when people maybe can be selfish or greedy or freak out and think about themselves but really trying to you know be proud of the way you like go through the world um, under times of duress and realize your place and how people how much privilege you might have compared to others
0: yeah tell me about light shine because you kind of touched on environmental concerns and that is a song that dissects some of those issues
1: yeah i mean the basic premise of that song is to whatever you're dealing with something that is unseen something that's been forgotten something that's sort of been thrown away um finding the joy and beauty in that Um, So, in the music video that we shot, we find all these locations that are kind of behind, you know, fences and are no trespassing areas, buildings that have been useful in the past and that are sort of closed to the public now and you aren't allowed to go in, they're forbidden. So try to find the joy and the way in which those areas, those objects can be useful to us instead of throwing them away. Um, and that just directly relates to sort of like reusing, recycling, yeah. um, you know, turning off lights, turning, turning off other things that you don't use that are plugged in, just trying to do our best in, in the world as much as we can, you know, without it being heavy, without it being too heavy.
2: Yeah. And like fi- finding a way to harness, harness the power of, you know, the sun or what, what gives us energy. You know, um, it's I, it's not an easy to answer question, uh, you know, where does the energy come from to power the world? Um, but I guess just trying to have a conversation about it. And I think we definitely had our former president in mind when we were writing that one, kind of talking to him a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah, he's a total, he's a scum. Yep. Don't like him.
1: <laughs>
0: what's uh, what's uh, next for the band? Do you have any shows coming up or what's on the agenda? We have Which, yeah, one. we're
1: trying to push some local shows because it's been such a challenge to get books to get dates out of town in the book. So we're kind of waiting for things to sort of calm down with this Delta variant or these other variants that are out there and um, be smart about booking forward into the future instead of trying to force something to happen quickly and last minute at the moment. Although we really would love to tour this album. There were so many bands that had albums that they couldn't tour on through the year. And so yeah. now they're having to put out n- other albums and tour the new albums. So yeah, it's really what a world we live in because most of us as artists make uh, headway and make make progress touring and connecting with people on the road and that's the number one Mm -hmm. way to do that and we aren't an exception of that rule so we're really looking forward to to trying to push this as much as we can and if it if it means that we're putting out a single to try to tour on new material in the future then so be it
2: but we'll definitely be going to some places, I, I think. In the next, yeah, for sure. In the next year, we're definitely going to go to the Midwest and mm-hmm. play some shows there and probably go down south a little bit to Virginia, North Carolina, some places that we've gone to before. Um, but yeah, continue to play New York shows. We got one in, uh, at Berlin, the East Village on September 28th uh, that we're looking forward to. That's with Starbucks Beyond the Bill.
0: Very, very excited for that. And now we're going to play some songs from My Tree's new record, Where the Grace Is. We're going to hear some songs that we just chatted about Light Shine, One More Time, Our Land O, and Run and Rag On.
5: say to you, show me what you want me to Uh -uh. do about the energy, cause it's right in front of me, Uh -uh. brightly shining in the sky, forgotten to a passed by, Uh -uh. Uh -uh. always want a little more, You can hear what you ignore Let the light shine
3: Wore them in Lowest voter turnout in years Helped them win Big promise Government Shrinking size Deregulate Lower taxes Privatize That policy Was born in the USA Milton Freeman Delivered it to Pinochet 160 convictions For 40's friends Nothing stick to Teflon Not even evidence Yeah, yeah, yeah Ronny Reagan, Run it, Reagan. Running Reagan, running Reagan, running Reagan, running Reagan, running Reagan, running Reagan. Run who put their autograph on the Moffat Act? Second Amendment advocate except for blacks. What actor became a president? with who was hell? And corporate welfare queens with too much wealth. I'm waiting by the faucet for it to trickle down. Four decades later, but any minute now. A billion dollars to the war on drugs. Black and brown people knew that was a war on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Reagan. With a shriek of the dog whistle. His candidacy kicks off in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Same city where three civil rights leaders got killed. Talking about states' rights. Wing, Echoing Wallace. So hawkish, he launched domestic wars with four arsenals. Put targets on the backs of blacks, gays, leftists, progressives. We fought him, though. And like Confederate flags, after the fact, he became way more popular. Now in the name of Maggie Sloan is children thrown it was AIDS but now it's COVID. The vulnerable ignored again, trying to build a wall at the border here. Somebody tell them, tear it down like all the shit. Dying for a day that might not come, like act of ashes on White House slum. When we bleed next time, it won't be for fighting our tongue. We who believe in freedom cannot rest with the fight not done. And we who believe in freedom cannot rest the fight not done. Never.
0: Right, we're back everyone we just heard four songs from my trees brand new record where the grace is we heard light shine one more time our land O and run and rag on you can get the album on vinyl via wearemytree.bandcamp.com so now ben And Caroline of My Tree picked some records, and we're going to talk about them. Starting off with The Magic Number by De La Soul off of Three Feet High and Rising. Congratulations to them. They finally sorted out all the issues with their master recordings, and I think all their music will be on streaming soon. So I'm glad they were able to figure that out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it related to? I was wondering about that. I saw they weren't on Spotify. Was it like samples that weren't cleared, basically, or?
0: I I think they just had a dispute with Tommy Boy where they felt they weren't being compensated enough to like get it on streaming or whatever. Something along those lines is kind of like a a battle between them and the label mm. for. Equitable compensation and stuff like that. Well,
2: that's good. Know? We need those big, those higher-profile artists to totally. do that. To you know, stick up for the musicians. Just, yeah. Yeah, it's rough out there.
0: I know. Streaming is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Which it wasn't such a necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But yeah, this record. This record, uh, I was revisiting it because I saw this one. Ande La Soul is dead. You, you have in your collection, so it's great. kind of br- bringing, Both great bringing, yeah. bringing me back to kind of revisit it's been a little bit um but yeah i i think i picked this one it's a really that era of hip-hop with the native tongues and tribe called Quest and jungle brothers that really uh resounded with me a lot um and even including like later on kind of diggable planets uh talking about new york hip-hop um but also de la Soul. they were just such, such like goofballs and so weird and that first record all the skits they're just kind of joking around a lot of the time but it's it's also (laughs) also quite against the grain you know and like this you know they were named the hippies and I think Arsenio Hall you know they were on his show and he dissed them they put that in their song and they were always kind of the the weird oddballs I mean that whole crew was but they were I think especially kind of just so goofy and doing weird stuff uh Resonate with that, you know, coming from this project where it's not always going with the grain, you know, the music that we're making. Yeah,
0: totally. They were totally against the grain, and it's inspirational to see how confident they were to just be themselves mm-hmm. when it seemed like trends in hip hop were going in a completely different direction around that point in time.
2: Yeah, and just I love all the samples. They use like that track in particular, I think at the end, there's just so many random samples. I love that era of just, it's just like a sound collage, you know, um, that you put together thinking about it like that. Uh, and I, yeah, I was, I was debating among a few tracks on those two records, but, uh, that, that one's kind of the opening, uh, of their first record, so kind of
3: sets the tone a little bit and doing monkeys doing hip hop hustle no rock and roll unless your name's cuz a go cuz magic in the criticizing out of stop looking listen to the phrase stairs and get offended while your daughter i all
0: right next Marrow by Saint Vincent off of Actor.
1: <laughs> I love this record so much. It's my I think it's my favorite one of Annie Clark's records personally and um I know it's super I know a lot of people feel like it's subdued, but to me yeah. I just the I, I really identify with the writing, I guess. Um yeah, and I was just reading that during this record i guess so many things went wrong when they were recording it and so she had to call like another producer and they basically they had to re-record everything again (laughs) um with the exception of some some things but i just also love that there's strings and there's horns on this record in general and that she's kind of stretching her compositional voice like on I think what is maybe her second album or something or her first album? I think second, yeah. Second album, yeah. And I love the sound of her voice. I love that she has the ability to just be very lucid in the tone of her voice and held back, but then she really pushes. And I consider, for me as a singer, I really would, I honor and I really practice trying to do both even though that's really just so tricky um but yeah i I love i love marrow i love how you know muscle connects to the bone and the lyrics and how they're related to the body i'm also really interested in science yeah that's really
0: really is cool yeah yeah i'm
1: super interested in science and then um i love when sort of the beat drops with the horns and super funky to me uh at the arranging in the production is solid, you know. It's a solid song to me. It makes me dance, it makes me feel good.
0: Going back yeah. to where the grace is, because you mentioned it and now I kind of like realized it in listening to both that and afterglow. I know you, you're a saxophone player, right? Yes too, Caroline. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were less less horns on this record compared to Afterglow. What what was uh why do you think that happened?
1: personally i was for this record trying to hone in on something that i wanted to to shed and to really get deep into which is singing in this sort of way that i want to to yeah. present myself as a singer in this way and really focusing on that technique and that function of me and it does sort of help me to focus when I'm just dealing with one thing at a time and to to have the horns there as another element will be something that we continue to return to because I love yeah. flutes and the saxophone and maybe a tiny little bit of clarinet, but I <laughs> <laughs> actually don't like the clarinet, but I'm happy to play it on a record. <laughs> it's fine.
0: If you
2: if you have to. Yeah. That's the vision for the, nec- the next but, record.
1: Yeah, but yeah. anyway, you know, like... I I love those instruments and we'll continue to return to it for sure. But I just wanted to just focus on something. You know, I wanted to focus on one thing and just make it that only and be simple about it. So that was the vision.
4: Fixing.
0: next we've got tambourine by prince off of around the world in a day miss prince a lot been listening to him a lot recently too so especially this record because right now i'm just like really obsessed with raspberry beret for some reason, so I keep listening to that song on mm-hmm. repeat. That's, this is also a great song too. Ooh, that's it's a, right after Raspberry Beret. So
2: yeah, yeah it's a yeah, bu- it's we, a
1: beautiful track.
2: We knew we had to pick yeah. a Prince song. Well we saw a few in your collection, but um
1: but yeah, we knew we had to pick a tr- print song because it was part of the influence of us changing the spelling of our name, March to M
0: Y. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that too. Perfect.
1: Yeah, and he <laughs> he has this unreleased song.
0: Yeah,
2: this is my tree. My tree, my tree. and so
1: for a long time, uh. yeah, for a long time, our music had been sort of getting confused with other artists of of the sort of Sanskrit Buddhist nature. I mean, yeah. it's a Sanskrit term. And for a lo- for many reasons, Buddhist uh, practitioners like to use that word in their writings because it has to do with this sort of way of loving other people by way of completely loving yourself, sort of the interaction between those elements. It's a complex phenomenon, but a lot of Buddhist yeah. praktish- practitioners use that word in their writings. And so um, the other spelling is M-A-I-T-R-I. A lot of people would pronounce that Maitri and then our music yeah. was getting confused, and then there were some other bands with that same name. So then we just decided let's rebrand, call ourselves M Y T R E E, My Tree, um, and we'll still have the same element of love in our hearts. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and also um Prince is one of the people who's who's a big inspiration to me as a multi instrumentalist and in, like drum programming. Um, him like uh, Sly Stone is kind of another one early drum machine kind of adopters that really became part of some of their sounds, you know. And um The Lindrum. We, we used the Lindrum, actually borrowed a friends and used it on Running and Reg On and some of the other tracks on Shout Where the out Grace to
1: Spencer and Murphy.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right.
1: Thank you for letting us borrow your Lindrum.
2: Yeah, and um yeah this track, this album uh I have in my collection as well. So uh I love it. Uh it's kind of to me psychedelic almost is like Sgt. Pepper in a way, uh, with yeah, all the good orchestral elements, psychedelic elements, and just revisiting this one and this track coming on. And it's it gets weird in the middle. It gets crazy with the the vocal harmonies, and it's just odd and funky. And Prince is such a wide catalog of so many awesome songs. And obviously, there's the hits that everyone knows. But I feel like there's it's so deep with awesome songs and. A lot of times under other people's names doing production on sheila e records or you know morris day records and um so many gems and so it's i like the album cuts oh my God, like this one
0: Next, something completely different, but also pretty awesome. Miss World by Hull off of Live Through This. I love the emotion of this track. And basically like every track on this record. So like, you know, ugh, so powerful like that. So this was always happy to see a whole song from this record get selected.
1: Yeah, I I chose this one. It was a record that I bought when I was 13 years old. And I loved the icon that Courtney Love was. I loved that she just didn't fucking care. (laughs) And was projecting that image and that energy through her lyrics and through her songwriting to the point of like, I'm singing these melodies potentially out of tune and it doesn't matter to me because the energy is there it really it all the energy is there and that's something that i as a as a child brought up by you know a mother who is constantly kind of just like reminding me of all the things that were potentially things that i might have fixed in my life although very lovingly um you know just that kind of voice that you're listening to in your head yeah and going through moments in my life where I was just like, "Fuck it," <laughs> Courtney Love is the person, and like Sleater Kinney, and you know some other bands like that were bands that really helped me through that process. I would have to, I had would have to say. And I can, I I can remember moments in my early teenage life of having those same emotions that she talks about in these lyrics. Like, um, I'm pulling them up now, but like. No one is listening. You know, these these yeah. ideas of like nobody cares, but I'm still singing my heart out in this song and I'm still going for it. You know, this stuff is happening and, um, you know, I'm dealing with it. I've like that phrase she repeats at the end. I, I've made my bed now a lie in it, you know she's acknowledging the fact that nobody gives a fuck, but she also doesn't give a fuck. And here we go. <laughs> this is the yeah. energy that's being projected for it. And it really empowers me. So that's why I chose that.
0: Very cool. Cool to hear about uh, what sounds like a very formative record for you, a very different sounding record than the the music you make. So I'm, I'm interested about a little bit about your your journey as far as uh, what type of music you were making before you started this project, and how'd you get to this point where you're making music that's you know more soul and R and B influenced and and funk influenced as well?
1: Yeah, well, in my improvising life, my other the other compartment of who I am, I do make a lot of music that is very much sounding like this, like her record, or that could be seen as like abrasive or you know out of yeah. tune or noise music i do enjoy noise music i do enjoy listening to that music i cool. enjoy playing that music um and i mostly do that on saxophone although i have done a few shows and we sometimes get into that with with tree when we're playing with david where we'll just finish a song but then we'll keep improvising and then it's all of a sudden like noise and you can
2: kind of like hear um,
1: that in one of the tracks of the album one of the interlude tracks
2: well like tell me about it the intro the intro that track yeah kind of just
1: it gives a little tiny glimpse into the world of where we would be in that situation but i do love noise music and um i love making that music and i've always loved the energy of playing wrong notes or laying into something that's noisy for a while i i like consistency in that way (laughs) so yeah i mean i've always made that kind of music for my whole life and hopefully it'll shine through a little more in my tree in future releases but it does come through a lot in afterglow i would say our previous record
5: Have you ever
0: been to Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix off of his self-titled record?
2: Yeah, this is like a box set that you have. Is that right? I was looking up yeah. about it. It looks like it has a lot of... How many records is it? It looks like there's a lot of tracks on there.
0: It's a bunch. It's like, a, I think, a box set like collection of everything up until a certain point, mm-hmm. I think.
2: That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, kind of going off of what you were just referencing. So R&B... That is the core, I think, common denominator of where this, the music for this project starts out of, starts from. Um, and this is kind of, we were gonna pick a Sly Stone song actually. We saw that record that you had, but I guess it's like disco remixes. We we weren't sure. We didn't we didn't have time to really check that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this is kind of Jimi Hendrix's version of a soul song in a way, so R and B and kind of ahead of his time. Um, and like I love also, there's a D'Angelo recording of this tune. I think a live recording of maybe a Bonaroo super jam. Um, and it, to me, it kind of is forward thinking in that way. It is like a something that D'Angelo would record. I feel like. Um, and I love. I have a lot of love for that record, Electric Ladyland, that it com- comes from originally. Remember listening to that on my Discman. It's uh, anti skip protect- protection on my, on, oh yeah. on my, on my skateboard doing my paper route when I was a kid and that's just,
1: what I listened to the whole record on my disc man my anti-skip disc man that had the repeat remember how the how it had the repeat where we go back and play the whole oh yeah I remember that yeah
0: I remember that <laughs> good stuff
1: <laughs> so good but I was also gonna say that uh, part of my influence for R&B and solo music came from when I grew up partially in Atlanta Georgia and yep. uh, I lived in this neighborhood that was very much inner city um brookhaven area that is now like multi-million dollar homes but when i was living there it was not that way (laughs) and uh a lot of my friends were black and latino and they taught me about what good music was (laughs) my best friends were like you know why are you listening my mom really loved like Bon Jovi and like <laughs> yeah. um, the Eagles and people like that. And they were like, let me, sh- let me take you over here and show you some other music. Not that that's bad music, but this music is better. <laughs> so uh, for me, you know. A lot, yeah, totally. That was the influence that I received from many of my friends. And I was so grateful for that because that, you know, Mary J. Blige and SWV, Boys to Men and En Vogue and. Outcast and some of the other local Atlanta musicians were really influential to my my voice and my singing voice. So,
2: yeah, and just one more thing, kind of just bringing it just bringing it back to the Jimi Hendrix uh uh I guess that era and I kind of put him alongside Sly and maybe Funkadelic the original as this rock music really and that was really important to me, you know, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin um but black rock music and w- really how a, a lot of the best rock music i think came from that came from the black tradition black american music uh and i feel like it's often overlooked um the contributions there in kind of the rock canon it's become you know bon jovi and whatever where it, where it led to. Bon Jovi. <laughs> Shot through the heart. Bon Jovi.
1: <laughs> I think my mom was such a big fan of, of that guy. And, and you know, so many other, like, hot, you know, men in the 80s with, like, the long hair. He was Dawn attractive. Henley. He's
0: definitely a good look. He was a very good looking guy, Bon Jovi. Uh, Probably still is. <laughs> I haven't gotten a good look at him recently, but. Yeah, no oh So it's time we take a ride.
5: We can cast all your hopes over the south side while we fly right over the love-filled sea. Look up ahead. I see the love
0: land.
4: Soon you will understand.
0: All right. And last but not least, Revolution 9 by the Beatles off of the White Album.
1: I just want to say, for me, this track, Sonically, and this is one of my reasons for choosing it, and I know you have yours, but Sonically, it's just like everything in its right place, to quote Radiohead. And <laughs> to just thinking about where things are sonically and where they're coming from, that track is... I've learned so much, and I still learn more when I go back and listen to it. Um about sonic space from an engineering perspective not that I'm an engineer but this was a big part of our record making process for this time around to work with someone like Jake Aaron who's very well versed in putting things in the right place and making things really come through in the right way and it's not just about the location and the panning but it's also about um the frequency spectrum of where things are in the space. And so that's how it sort of relates to our music and my passion for for mixing in the right way and always constantly coming back to the drawing board. This track is amazing <laughs> for that. This yeah. track
0: is awesome. <laughs> it's funny as someone that, was obviously you know as most probably people of our generation exposed to the Beatles at a young age through like our parents listen to the white album and be like this song is so weird i don't get it and then as you get older realizing oh yeah this is sick mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. That's my take we were on just that song. we were just listening to Sgt Pepper in the car the other day and that snippet at the end or i feel like the Beatles put a lot of like little seconds of what you know what is in revolution number nine a lot of other places and in those records but they were they were just kind of for a moment i think like let's kind of put it all in just one long thing and here you have yeah. take this little thing that we've like you've heard here and there and you're like what's that weird thing and then just put it all together and just a crazy (laughs) let's do it for like nine minutes (laughs) yes
1: exactly it's so perfect Um, and i just also love how open they're being with that in that yeah. respect, like they're just, okay, we're going to go all the way in on this. Here we go. Let's but, go into the playland.
2: But the Beatles definitely both, for both of us, very influential band for a lot of us, you know. And I, I think we really appreciate the the multiple songwriting forces and just songs coming from totally different places. Uh, the albums being very diverse in the songwriting, I think that's something that relates to our music. Um, too, they were that kind of the kings of that, you know. Yeah. Um, and the White Album is kind of like the epitome of the Beatles doing that, where the, so- the songs are st- stylistically kind of all over the place, but it all comes together and it all works. And it's so raw and beautiful. And there's so many, it's hard to pick Beatles songs, but this was kind of a. We thought maybe a cool one to end with. Um, yeah. And. Just like the more experimental experimental side yeah
1: that's true with how goofy they kind of they're like being so goofy in one moment then all of a sudden they're just in this land of seriousness talking about this relationship that ended or like you know dear prudence is just such a serious song for me you know um, and then the next, whatever, a couple songs later is super goofy. <laughs> wow, Honey Pie?
0: Yeah, yeah like Bungalow like... Bill. Yeah, this <laughs> record, and now I'm really like thinking hard about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, like Bungalow Bill. <laughs> yeah. Like it's thrown in there. The, the Piggy song yeah. Yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And then something like Dear Prudence, which is such a, you know, totally different yeah. song. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I feel like that – honoring that or just valuing that in the music of today is we kind of lost that a bit, not everyone. Um, but in terms of our music, I, I really appreciate when bands have variety in their own music. So you're not just listening to every track and like this kind of just sounds like the last track, um, which is a way to do it also. But I think we are not that kind of music and the Beatles really, really show that strongly on that record.
2: Mm hmm. It's an often covered artist by us when we do covers. Yeah. We like to rearrange, oh, nice. rearrange Beatles songs.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. What what Beatles songs have you covered? There's Lady uh, Madonna.
2: Yeah, there's a video of us Good doing one. that one duo on, really? up on YouTube. You can find. Um, oh, I'm
0: gonna watch that right after this.
2: Yeah, we've also kind of done. We can work it out. Kind of via Stevie Wonder's version of it. Kind of done an arrangement of that. Um, what else have we played?
4: I'm having a hard
2: time thinking now. Oh, we did uh, Blackbird. That was Blackbird, on Instagram yeah. for our uh and Fool on the Hill. We did yeah. those for
0: Fool on the Hill underrated Beatles song. Such I like a good that song. That one's, ben, on,
2: that one's on our IGTV. Ben whichever.
1: did a very those incredible two. creative reworking of that song. Those are uh, yeah. that's on our Instagram page if anyone wants to check that out.
0: I'm definitely intrigued because I really like the version of Fool on the Hill that's on the Beatles anthology too. It's like a, mm. not a super early take, but it's a, I guess a take that obviously wasn't the take that's on a magical mystery tour. Mm. But it sounds really cool and I like how it sounds. So I'm interested in hearing your interpretation as well.
1: And mm. I play flute on it, so there you go. There's the horn element. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs> Amazing Caroline playing flute. Head to the My Tree IG TV or My Tree Instagram. I'm going to do it right after this. Everyone, you could do it on your phone right now while you're listening. Yeah, it's
2: we are my tree. That's kind of our handle. We are my across tree. Across the internet these days. 9 right. right.
0: All right, sadly, coming to the end of this episode, but it was so great talking with Ben and Caroline of My Tree. Their awesome new record, Where the Grace Is, is out now. You can get it at wearemytree.bandcamp.com. They got vinyl records for sale. And a Wear the Graces t-shirt that you can get. Or you could just get the digital download, but treat yourself to a nice piece of physical media or a physical cotton (laughs) t-shirt.
2: Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having us.
0: Oh, so great to chat with both of you. I love this record. You mentioned you're playing at Berlin on September 20th. Eighth, everyone. That's Berlin in the East Village. Any other gigs coming up? Any other things planned? Now that uh, where the grace is, is out.
1: Not yet. Stay tuned. We're coming up with some things.
0: Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. You can you can follow them. We are my tree on Instagram, Facebook, probably on Twitter too. Maybe yeah. not everyone is these Twitter, days, but they are. My tree is so. Ben, Caroline, thank you so much. It was so much fun chatting with you about where the grace is, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other topics as well. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. It was our pleasure. Amazing.
0: Yeah,
2: we liked looking at your records too.
1: Yeah, we love.
0: Dude, at your me record. too. <laughs> so much fun to look at them and listen to them. <laughs> Hmm. All right, we're going to send everyone off with one more song from Where the Grace Is. It's the last track on the record and the title track, Where the Grace Is.